coming of the kingdom of God. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, Here it is, or There it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running after them, for the Son of Man in his day will be like lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking and buying and selling, planting, building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the the roof of their house with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, one in the field should not go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord, they asked. And he replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. Now, this is a great passage. Uh, Please have it open before you're going to need to have it open. Uh, It bristles with questions, and I love questions. Uh, Questions are irritating, and I love to be irritated because you find out all sorts of things when you're irritated. You don't let things up. I studied law when I was uh, straight out of uh, college, and nothing irritated me in law. It just bored me to tears, and I failed um, twice. Uh, but this passage, no, it bristles with uh, interest and there are, there are questions and questions here uh, that we need to have a look at and see if we can find an answer to. So as, again, I know we've just prayed, but I'm going to pray again that uh, the Lord will help us to focus on the passage. Dear God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have not left us in ignorance and darkness, but you've given us the light of your word. We pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will speak to us this morning and teach our hearts to trust in you and to bring forth the good fruit of obedience in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Now, this passage begins and finishes with a question. Let's start. Okay, have a look at chapter 17, verse 20. Now, it is important, if you can, to have the Bible open in front of you because it's your book. The Bible is your book, not my book. I'm just here to facilitate. But it's really your reading of the Bible that matters rather than my reading of the Bible. Okay? You've got to check it, see what I'm saying is true. So verse 20, once I'm being asked by the Pharisees, when, when the kingdom of God would be coming? That's the first question. When will the kingdom of God come? Now, in order to understand this, you've got to understand that the Jews, 
knew that Adam and Eve had contested the kingdom of God in the Garden of Eden and tossed God out and left them with, uh, you know, we are going to be in charge of the world. And we can see the catastrophe that's been going on ever since. So they said no to God's kingdom. God's kingdom is God's rule, God's reign, God being in charge. No to the kingdom of God. But the Jews also knew through the prophets and the promises of God that the kingdom of God would one day be restored spectacularly. So there would be uh, this present evil age would come to an end The kingdom of God would come and the age to come would arrive, the eternal life and all the good things that God plans to bring in when he restores his kingdom, his rule, his reign in the world. So the kingdom of God contested, the kingdom of God silent, so to speak, or invisible, the kingdom of God visible and the new age. That's what they understood. Then Jesus came and Jesus started preaching And he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, it's just around the corner, folks. Jesus is one of these guys who goes around with one of the, you know, sign around, the the end is nigh, the end is nigh. He He was a preacher of the end of the world. That's what he was saying. The end is just about to come. The kingdom of God is at hand. And he said, get ready for it. How do you get ready for it? Well, you get ready. He said, repent and believe in the gospel. Repent. Turn away from sin, turn away from self, turn away from the decision Adam and Eve made and turn to God, turn back to God. Make God the king of your life. That's how you get ready. Repent and trust in the gospel. That's the only way to get ready for the catastrophe that's about to come when God's kingdom arrives. The Jewish authorities, having heard this message from Jesus for a couple of years, the kingdom of God's kingdom... They said, well, come on, Jesus, when? Okay, now go to the end of the passage. The disciples hear all of Jesus' answer to this question. Well, first of all, Jesus answers the Pharisees. Then he answers the disciples, and he talks to the disciples, and they come up with this question. Ready? You see it there? Where will it be? Where? And Jesus says... Where there's a dead body, the vultures will gather. That's not something you normally learn in Sunday school. Uh, It's not one of those verses we put out for kids to learn. But there we are. So you have a when at the beginning and a where at the end. Okay, now I've invented another couple of questions for us because I think this passage asks some other questions, not so explicitly this time. But the questions that ask are, which tunnel are you in and are you ready? Which tunnel are you in and are you ready? Now, you may not see those questions there, but I have put them in uh, in order to help us understand the passage. What do I mean by which tunnel are you in? Well, that goes back to, uh, sorry, I do forgive me, I'm going to refer to the great city of Sydney, the New York of Australia. No one loves New York and no one loves Sydney, I know that. But in Sydney, we have a harbour, you may have heard of it, and under the harbour, we have two tunnels. Okay, Uh, we have the bridge, but we have two tunnels under the harbour for traffic as well. And this will surprise you. It will surprise you in South Australia because I know you have highways here which go that way and then this way. I know that. But we don't do it that way in Sydney. What we've got is one tunnel goes that way and one tunnel comes this way. So you choose which tunnel depending whether you're going south or north and you're in your tunnel. Okay, what I'm saying to you is which one are you in? By that I mean this, that in the world in which we live today we have the secular mindset 
the secular mindset. This world is all there is. Matter is all that matters. There is no life beyond. The life beyond is about, it, well, you didn't have a life before you were born. When you die, it'll be the same. No more. No, no consciousness, no spirit, nothing. Dead, finished, gone. Secular world's all there is. Uh, this life has no meaning or purpose written into it. If you can make a meaning, that's fine. But it's no meaning or purpose written into it. You choose how you are going to live. There's an interesting distinction. You can see this in a million different ways. But one of the ways you see it is the, is the word that's come into fashion, values. Values. Every school has its values, right? Or you go into a dentist surgery. The values of this surgery are as follows. Don't ask. Et cetera, et cetera. Values, values, values. You know, our ancestors didn't talk about values. They talked about virtues. Virtues are things you aspire to. Values are things you invent. The secular mindset says we will invent what is right and wrong because there is no right and wrong. So every person has their own values. It's all subjective, all relative. That's the way we will live. And then you get some moral. There's always moralists. There's always wowsers, if you know what I mean. There's always Puritans. There's always people who tell the rest of us what's right and wrong. Right, and, and you know there's always public figures who will lecture the rest of us about what's right and wrong. It's very funny because apparently there is no right and wrong, but they do tell us what's right and wrong all the time, without any appeal to God because there is no God. And then there's most people who just try to get along with their lives without any hope and no values at all, and they're driving through one of the tunnels. And then there's the Christians, and we believe there is God. We believe there is life beyond. We believe that there is right and wrong. We believe that you don't make it up for yourself. We believe it comes from the outside, from God himself. We believe there is such a thing as sin and failure. We believe there's such a thing as forgiveness. We believe all sorts of things that are totally contrary to what the world believes in. There are two teams playing here. One team, other team. One team's going in this way through the tunnel. The other team's going through that way through the tunnel. If you're a Christian, you're going through this tunnel. If you're a secularist, you're going through this tunnel. The danger is, the danger is, now I'm going to speak softly here because we don't want to go outside the room. You ready? The danger, well, let me summarize it. The danger is that if you forget Lot's wife. There, I've said it. Don't tell anyone. Okay, forget Lot. Don't, please, as Jesus said here, Remember Lot's wife. Well, that should get you home all right. Okay, all right. So the questions are, when is this kingdom coming, Jesus? Where is it coming, Jesus? Uh, which tunnel are you in? Which side are you? Oh, and there's another question. Are you ready? Are you ready for the end? No, I don't mean they're asking that question inside this passage. This passage is asking that question of you and me. Are you ready? And I'll be asking you that again. Are you ready? Now, there's a fifth question, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. Well, not for a little while. Okay, so when we come to this passage, we discover it sort of, it, it, it has three sort of thrusts for us here in different order. It has three thrusts. The first of all is that Jesus says, when the kingdom comes, it will surprise you. It's all very well for the Pharisees to come and say, when will it be here? He says, 
you won't know. It will come, it will come and shock the living daylights out of you. It will surprise you when it comes. He's talking now to the disciples in particular. And he's indicating that what has happened is different. Well, not different, but it really is a bit surprising. God has surprised them. That the kingdom has come in two stages. The first stage is the coming of the king. You can guess who that is. Jesus is the king. And in that sense, the kingdom has arrived already. Oh. And in utter surprise, when this kingdom comes, guess what happens? The king gets crucified. Only God could have invented a scenario like this. Have a look. It says, uh, it doesn't, it's in 17... Uh, chapter 17 and uh, verse um, uh, verse 24 for the son of man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation son of man is Jesus the king of God's kingdom he's coming And it will be sensational, it will be the end of the world, but first, there's going to be a crucifixion. Hmm. Two comings, not one coming as they're expecting. He says about his second coming, there's going to be a lot of rumours flying around, all sorts of people saying all sorts of things. There he is, here he is. And in fact, down through history, that's exactly what has occurred. Uh, Look at verse 23. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. He said, look, down through history, and it's true, uh, all people have have constantly been saying, oh, he's just about to appear, and look, here are the signs, and here are the signs, and he's coming, and, and, and people have been led astray by this. He said, look, when it happens, it will be absolutely clear. Although many people will be surprised. And he refers to the way in which he refers to Noah and the ark. You remember how Noah built the ark? He preached that there was going to be a big flood. He said, get ready, get ready, get ready. And the world just went on in the normal way with busyness. Look at uh, verse uh, 26. He said, just as it was in the days of Noah, so it'll be in the days of the Son of Man, and the Son of Man comes again, the second coming. People will be eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark, then the flood came and destroyed them all. He said, despite the fact that I have told you I'm coming again, most people on earth, people in the other tunnel, so to speak, they won't be taking any notice. They'll just be getting on with their daily lives and they won't be seeking first the kingdom of God. Your first business as a human being is to seek the kingdom of God. They're not doing it. They're spiritually blind. They're dead. They're just getting on with their daily lives. They'll be preserving their lives, as he says in another verse, verse 33. They'll be preserving their own lives, but they won't be seeking the kingdom as a first task. Now, Noah's contemporaries were very sinful. Uh, They were like Lot's contemporaries, also in Genesis. Uh, Look at verse 28. It was the same in the days of Lot, 
People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. They were caught totally ill-equipped, totally unprepared. They were just getting on with their daily lives. Their sin was still unforgiven in their hearts. And therefore, when the judgment came, absolutely out of the blue, as far as they were concerned, they were not ready. So the first question is, the, king, the, the first observation is, the king, the, when it happens, when Jesus comes again on his second coming, it will be a shock. It will be an utter surprise. And so the question is, are you ready? Are you ready? Because you won't know when it's going to come. There are signs, there's wars and rumours of wars and earthquakes, but they've been always there. Every sign like that is a sign that it could be today. We don't know if before we get home, the Lord will come. The important thing is, wherever you are, whenever you are, that you're ready for his coming. And how did Jesus say to get ready? He said, repent and believe in the gospel. That's how you get ready for his coming. So the question for you, now this is not a question we're just airing around the room here, this is a question for you. Are you ready for his coming? It could be at any time. It will catch most people by surprise as it did in the days of Noah and of Lot. Second point about this, the kingdom will be a surprise. The next point to notice is the kingdom will be very divisive. Noah, uh, uh, the flood comes. Eight people are saved in the, in the ark. The rest perish. Div judgment brings division. Uh, sulfur and fire burn down on Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot and his family are saved. The kingdom has brought division. Judgment has brought division. And that's what happens with judgment because that's the nature of judgment. Got to recognize that God doesn't muck around. He takes us absolutely seriously. When I, uh, yesterday I was saying a fair bit, uh, aren't you glad that there is a judgment? It's hard to get glad about it, but really when you think about it, you see how important it is. You see, God doesn't judge snails. He doesn't judge microbes. He doesn't even judge your dog. He judges humans. What does that tell you about humans? It tells us how important we are. We are really significant. We are worth judging. That's how important you are. But when you are an important person, you have a weight on your shoulders. You have accountability. And as an image bearer of God and every single person in this room, no matter who you are, where you've come from, what your background is, what burdens you carry, what the state of your health is, every single one of us is an image bearer of God. We are kings. We are queens in God's world. So that's what image bearing is we have responsibilities and those with higher responsibilities are the ones who will be judged more so that the judgment of God is coming is a sign of how important you are or how precious you are too you are just not somebody you're extraordinarily important hence God's judgment and his judgment is coming and alas it will be divisive as Jesus says I didn't say it please notice that I'm not saying these things as Jesus has said them verse 33 
whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. In other words, you get busy with your life and doing this, that, and the other and forget the kingdom of God, well, you'll lose your life. You've missed the most important point that his judgment is coming. Get ready for it. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. Whoever make sure that the first thing is first will gain his life now look verse 34 i tell you on that night the night of his coming again two people will be in one bed one will be taken the other left two women will be grinding grain together one will be taken one left there's a sort of there is a mercy in judgment noah and his family were saved lot and his family were saved there is a mercy in the judgment of god but there is a judgment. And the difference between the two is repentance. Not innocence. No, none of us can claim that one. Repentance. Turning to God, making God the Lord of your life, entering the kingdom of God, putting your trust in the Son of God. Repentance. If you do not turn... Here is a picture of eternal disaster. If you do turn, then Jesus Christ is for you the ark of God. And so I ask again, are you ready? Are you ready for the coming of the kingdom? Now the kingdom has come. Jesus Christ has come. But the kingdom will come again when Christ comes again and that will be the end. God has extraordinarily, mysteriously, mercifully and wonderfully provided a gap between the two comings when we can get ready for the catastrophe or the salvation that is coming. Are you ready? And then finally, the coming of the kingdom will be decisive. It won't be just another thing in history. It will be decisive. There's been times in history, I, I made a study something of the 17th century, for example, and particularly in England, big wars, civil war in England, and it was interesting. It was, very, it was a very Christian country in those days, and people thought maybe the Lord was coming again. There were people called the fifth monarchy men because they're referring to the, the monarchy of Jesus that was just about to come, for example, and all sorts of other people arose, the shouters and the Quakers and the yellers, and so various people arose in those days. Very interesting. It was all the Christian... The Christians got terribly thing about the coming, but it didn't happen, did it? No, life goes on through all sorts of things. But the day will come. And Jesus says uh, here, uh, if you look at uh, verse 31, he says, look, when that moment arrives, if you're on the housetop, now in those days the houses in the Middle East, it's now you get up on the housetop and sort of, work up there or rest up there or whatever there was an outside stair on the you're on the housetop and the house catches fire for example don't go back down inside the house to get the family photographs get out of the house put it this way you're in a plane and it's announced that the plane is going to be ditched in the water you do not get your laptop out of the overhead luggage. But my laptop is everything to me. Good, well, you'll sink with it. This is too urgent for you to hang on to your old life. 
And the same, you're in the field and you see a great army approaching. You don't say, oh, they're sure to go around my field. No, you get out of there because the Assyrians will come and take your life as quick as snuffing a locust. You take urgent action. Are you ready? Because when the moment comes, you need to have put your faith in Jesus, the King. Okay. What about Lot's wife? Uh, Look at that verse there, one of the shortest verses in the Bible, verse 32. Remember Lot's wife. Now, what is there to remember about Lot's wife? Oh, uh, can anyone remember the story of Lot's wife? Hello, Michelle. <laughs> uh, what happened to her? She back Michelle and I have got entered into a partnership, a business partnership. <laughs> She's going to be my straight man. It's wonderful. Every comedian needs a straight man, and Michelle has agreed to do it. You know, yeah, yeah, it's really good. Uh, sorry, again? Uh, the family was going Lot's family had been saved and and God said don't look back don't go back for your laptop your heart has got to be with me not back there and Lot's wife looked back and Became became a pillar of salt the God judgment of God fell upon her at that instant in other words are you ready or is your heart so attached to things in this world that you are not ready for the coming of the king. Will you be like Lot's wife and look back in desperation? Or will you be looking for the coming of the king when that moment? Are you looking now for the coming of the king? What is the most important thing in your life now? It has to be the kingdom of God. For thus you get ready for the coming of the king whenever that will be. Okay, the questions. Here we go. Uh, the, uh, the Pharisees, go back to verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 20. The Pharisees say, when is this going to happen, Jesus? Okay, uh, now, uh, uh, Jesus answered them, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because, now notice what he said to the Pharisees, the kingdom of God is right here in front of you. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Because he was there. The king had landed. The king was was there. And they did not recognize the king. And their failure to recognize the king meant they weren't ready for the kingdom (laughs) they actually crucified him that the most catastrophic mistake in all of history they did not recognize the king when's the kingdom of God coming it's here I'm here and they didn't see him for who he was that's the first question then right at the end after the uh, explanation the disciples come up with this question um, one bed taken, one taken, one left, two women grinding, one taken, one left, division, yes. And they say, where, Lord? Uh, what? 
I can just hear the frustration in Jesus' voice at this point. What, what on earth are you saying? Why, how can you be asking me where this will take place? I've already explained to you as the lightning flashes up the sky from east to west. E- even pirates understand this, apparently. What? what? How can you say where? And so he answers them with this sort of, this sort of thrust. Look, you know when you see the vultures that there's a dead body. You know that. Uh, no point asking where. It will be completely obvious when the moment arrives. And there will be the judgment of the dead. It's a, it's a, a startling response to their misunderstanding, their strange question, when and when. Now, I had another question, and that is which so I want you to answer this. This is your question. Do you belong to the tunnel going north or the tunnel coming south? Do you belong to the secular generation? Because one of the problems is, even if you come to church, your mind may not be in church. Your heart may not be in church. Because all during the week, you're reading the newspapers, having the media, having your discussions. You are mixing with this world, which is fine. You can't go out of the world. But the danger is we mix with the world so much that we become the world and we fall in love with the world and we start believing what the world believes. And our Christian faith is just a, a sort of a game we play on Sundays. Do you actually come here today actually in your head and in your heart belonging to this world or do you come here today belonging to Jesus with your head and your heart? For we Christians have a great task. We have to outlive the world. We have to outlove the world. And we have to outthink the world. We have to know which team we're playing on. And it has to be a seven day a week, 24 hour a day job to be in the right tunnel. Which one are you in? Or are you like, let me give an illustration. There was a woman once who was sort of saved and she was going and she looked back and she was turned into a pillar of salt. Remember Lot's wife. Which team are you on? Are you ready is the fourth question. Are you really ready? I said there was one other question and we can handle that easily uh, because the last question, the fifth question Uh, where we've been talking about it the whole time. Who? How do we know all this is true? How do you know that the secularists aren't right? How do we know? Well, remember when the Pharisees came and they asked Jesus, where's the kingdom? You know, when's it going to be? When's it going to be? He said to them, it's in the midst of you. If you're not looking properly, you won't see it. Because he was the king. He was there and they crucified him. The key question for us all is to know which tunnel to be in and which, which, who to be is the question of who we think Jesus is. That's the key. Is he the king? Is he the king? And if so, have we turned to him in repentance and faith? Or is he just a teacher? Is he a habit? Is he a hobby you have? Is he just your hobby? In which case you are crucifying him again. And you won't be ready 
when he comes in all his glory and his splendor to take his people to himself and to bring judgment upon this earth. Are you ready? Let's pray. Now, Father God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would graciously continue to speak to us. We pray, Heavenly Father, that each one of us here may belong to Jesus and belong to Jesus not just as a hobby but belong to Jesus with all our heart and all our mind and all our strength. We pray that we may live for Jesus so that we may shine for Jesus in a fallen world and bring other people too to salvation by God's strength. And we pray these things for Jesus' sake. Amen.